good morning and welcome to the NBA Fan Podcast. Or good afternoon or good evening whenever you're listening to this. That's true. It is the morning uh, for us. I'm Chris Randazzo. Trent Kinsey here the morning after uh, the end of the second round of the NBA playoffs. That's right. All of the games, all the series ended in five and it wrapped up really nicely uh, for us to be able to record this and sum up uh, the last four series, round two of the 2018 best NBA playoffs yet. Chris, hot takes Randazzo here with another scorcher. That's right. Uh, just the, uh, okay, I'll back off a little bit. I was surprised that it was five games each series. and Well, technically it was four for one series. Oh, you're Cavs, right. Okay, yeah. it was, so max five. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll back off a little bit. Maybe not the best round two of all time, but, you know, still an exciting playoff series. Oh, for sure. And after all of the mayhem, after all of the excitement, after all of the surprises and the potential, we're right back where we were last year, I believe. Were these not the four teams? Uh, I think it was Spurs in the conference finals with the Warriors instead of the Rockets because the Rockets got knocked out by the Spurs last year because uh, Harden got his butt handed to him by Kawhi Leonard. Got it. Um, so this is just where we were in the East. Yes, it was where we were in the East. It was a very different, very different Cavs team and a very different Celtics team last year. Um, but, uh, but it is the same two franchises. So Yes, I, uh, I saw a funny tweet this morning uh, one of my friends commented on it, so I'm not even sure who the original tweet was was from. And it said uh, Kyrie's former team uh, in the playoffs without him, and Kyrie's current team in the playoffs without him. Without him, yeah. An interesting perspective. So, um, all right, well, big picture, Trent. Before we dive into each mm-hmm. uh, series, mm-hmm. you know, what's been your impression? What have uh, you know you been not, not been able to stop thinking about <laughs> in these playoffs. Uh, well, if we're specifically, well, first of all, if you kind of take a step back and if you were to tell me um, at the start of the playoffs, hey, our final four teams are going to be Rockets, Warriors, Cavs, and Celtics, um, or even like in the regular season, if you were to tell me, hey, these are going to be the final four teams, I think I would have been like, yeah, that's pretty much, that's fine. That's pretty much what I expected. Um Going into the playoffs, if you had told me that, I think I would have had... It's totally what I expected in the West. I think it's what everybody expected and slash hoped for. Uh, but in the East, I might have had a little bit of a surprise just because the Raptors played so well in the regular season and the 76ers were probably the hottest team in the East going into the playoffs. But still not that surprising because the Cavs have the greatest player in the NBA, maybe the greatest player of all time, and the Celtics have probably the best or second best coach in the NBA and so much depth even when they're missing you know, two of their top players. And they have playoff experience as well, which is what I think helped kind of get them over the top with Philadelphia. So not that surprising. Um, but what I would love to talk about at some point, especially as we kind of dive into these individual series, I think the biggest thing that I, you know, to, to reference what you said that I kind of keep thinking about is just how embarrassing the Raptors are as a franchise. Mm. Uh, Mm. We talked about it on our last episode when we were kind of reviewing round one and then looking ahead to round two, and we were looking at this Cavs-Raptors matchup. And, you know, I mentioned that 
even though the Cavs had looked basically terrible against the Pacers, which, again, respect to the Pacers, they're a good team, Cavs had pretty much looked terrible against them. Yes, the Raptors had also, for the most part, looked terrible against the Wizards, but they still won the series in six games, and, um, you know, they had had a great regular season. So I, I know I pointed out, hey, the Raptors have they've struggled against the Cavs in the past. The Cavs have kind of had their number. LeBron's kind of been in, specifically DeMar DeRozan's head. Uh, and the Cavs had actually won eight straight games in the playoffs against the Raptors going into this series. But I felt like this year was different. I think everybody felt like this year was different. Not only were the Raptors better all season, they won like a franchise record, I believe, 59 games. Um, they kind of changed their style. They were playing really, really well. And the Cavs are, are markedly worse than they've been in the last few seasons. Um, and so I felt like, hey, the Raptors should probably win this series. But one of the things I said on our last episode was, hey, just look out because the Cavs do tend to kind of have the Raptors number. This thing could go six or seven, but I still think you know the Raptors probably win. And then they just come out and get swept swept by this Cavs team. Most of the games weren't even close. I know LeBron did have an incredible buzzer beater in one of the games, but the other three games, it was not even close. It's it's just remarkable to me. It's it's sad. I mean, my, my genuine emotion to that is just I'm I'm sad for Toronto or as I guess now people are calling Lebronto. Yeah. You're um, sad for Drake specifically. Yeah, no. specifically my doppelganger yeah. for, somehow. Uh, yes, um, I'm just I'm kind of sad for for them as a team. Um, I'm sad for Dwayne Casey. I'm sad for anybody that associates yeah. <laughs> with the Rafters. Uh, now I'm laughing. It's yeah. just it's just sad. Yeah. I, I well, it's funny you say it like I am. I'm sad for Dwayne Casey in the sense that I think he seems like a really good dude. I've heard a lot of interviews with him, um, but he, it's like I feel bad for him, but I also kind of don't because there's a part of me that's like, hey, you seem like a really good dude, but are you a good coach? Like, there, how? How do you? Like, again, had they lost the series, I would have been like, had they just lost the series in like six or seven games, I would have been like, oh, that sucks, but like. It's LeBron, you know, but getting swept, I mean, there's no, like, that is across the board, like, every, I mean, they just need to, honestly, they just need to blow it up, in my opinion, just, like, start over. Yeah, they were winning 60 games a season for the last couple seasons, something like that. I mean, I don't think it is a Dwayne Casey problem, in my opinion, but I guess you could say because, like you said, they got swept in the playoffs Maybe it is. To me, I agree with you. I think they blow it up. I think I'm personally putting the blame on DeMar DeRozan, who, yeah. great guy. We love him. We love we love DeMar. We're DeMar fans. But come playoff time, he disappears. He's like the fourth best player. He's like barely a starter. Yeah. Uh, he definitely deserves uh, the lion's share of the blame. Um, Kyle Lowry actually played really well in in the series um the rest of the raptors too you know didn't really a lot of them didn't really show up but i mean demar definitely deserves most of the blame i mean he got he was in the game game three which was the game that lebron had the buzzer beaters is a very close game demar didn't even play in the fourth quarter not i don't think that was his choice i think they just took him out because they realized how bad he was hurting them 
and then I, I believe he got ejected in game four, which ended up being a blowout. Um, so he just, yeah, he just didn't show up. And, you know, the biggest kind of rap on DeMar over the years has been, you know, first of all, he's not a, not a good three-point shooter, which is kind of a, a need in today's NBA. He's more of a mid-range shooter, um, which is not the most efficient shot ever. And uh, just sort of like a mental toughness factor as well. He's a really quiet guy, um, kind of along the same lines as like a Kawhi Leonard. So he's not providing you a lot of leadership other than by example. And then if he's not playing well, I mean, and I think LeBron just just owns him. I think he's just in his head. And so it's it was sad. I was definitely hoping that that series would be more entertaining. Uh, it was not at all. As an NBA so. fan, I didn't even want to watch game four. And I watched the first quarter and uh, maybe maybe even the first half. And the Cavs, to their to, to the Cavs' credit, it wasn't just LeBron, but game four, they came out shooting like 70%. I mean, yeah. nuts. Everybody on their team. It, here's the thing that's interesting is LeBron didn't even play that well in the series for LeBron. Um, he had, I would say, two of the games were at like LeBron, you know, playoff LeBron level. Two of the games were not that great, again, for him. Um, so I also want to just take a second to make sure we're giving credit to specifically Kevin Love for, yeah, I mean, he, he was not even like a part of their team against the Pacers. He was absolutely awful. Uh, and other than maybe Game 7, I think he played decent in Game 7. But this whole series, he was great the whole time. And he looked like uh, Timberwolves, Kevin Love, a little bit. So he's going to have to continue to do that if they're going to move on. But Yeah, and shout-out to J.R. Smith and, um, and uh, their, their shooter, Corver. Corver. I mean, these guys I don't think are really expected to show up excellently day in and day out. You just yeah. need them to kind of take over in certain games and maybe yeah. win you one game. You know, JR, maybe win me one game, JR. Yeah. Corver, maybe win me one game. And shout out to those guys because they stepped up and LeBron didn't need, he legitimately didn't need to LeBron for all four games. I also just want to point out that, you know, we just mentioned earlier LeBron was not maybe at the same level that he's normally at in the playoffs. You got some stats? Uh, I do. I've got some hot stats. Got some um, stats. And it's true. I think anybody would agree that watched the series. Uh, Bro still averaged 34 points, 8.5 rebounds, 11.5 assists on 55% shooting. So where he wasn't good was three-point and free-throw shooting. He was 17% from three-point and 58% from the line, which is really, really, really bad. But... Everywhere, I mean, he was getting layups at will, obviously, if he's shooting almost 60% from the floor. So just wanted to point that out. That, you know, that's that's not great in LeBron world. Do, do you by chance have his stats round one versus round two? I can look them up. Great. So, you know, Bro, a.k.a. Braun, still putting up mad stats in a, you know. And, and that's I think that's what we mean is, like, when he doesn't have to, a.k.a. LeBron, he, that means that he doesn't have to put up 45, 10, and 10. You know, he doesn't have to um, just literally take over the game offensively and put the weight of, and specifically offense, I think, 
you know, you saw him essentially sit back in the first two quarters of, of game four, and he just let his team go to town, and they just owned the Raptors. And then he just comes in and he can, you know, play defense and distribute and then maybe make an easier layup than he's, you know, he's not having to take these fadeaway mid-range jumpers that he's nailing, but he doesn't have to take those. And so I think that was the difference between them just winning the series and sweeping. Yeah, so uh, looking at his first round, he averaged 34.5 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Um, So pretty similar stats, stat line overall. He also shot 55% from the field as well. So again, very similar. The big difference was he was more efficient in that he shot 35% from three and 82%, which is really good for him from the line. Um, but So I think the biggest difference in these two series was Kevin Love. Kevin Love in the first round averaged 11 points and nine rebounds and shot 33% from the field. Um, and in the second round matchup, he averaged 21 points and 12 rebounds and shot forty eight percent from the field. Now, so that's, that's your difference. That's a that's some good that's some good play. Yeah, Corver also averaged fifteen points a game for the second round series. Um, yeah, and how about that? He averaged eight points in the uh, in the first round. Who series, so. you know some people forget. You know uh, maybe our non veteran NBA fan listeners out there um, either forget or just might not know that Corver statistically is one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure where he ranks. It's something like third most three-pointers made all time or something like that. I mean, he's he's right up there with Ray Allen and uh, maybe Reggie Miller. He's fourth. Um, so here's a good, here's a little fun factoid for you. So Reggie or Ray Allen is number one with almost 3,000 three-pointers. Reggie Miller is number two with 2,600. Kyle Korver's number four with twenty two hundred. Guess who's number three? Oh, we've done this. We've done this before. If it's not on the podcast, <laughs> I've either done this with you or I've done this with somebody else. It's like Joe Johnson or something. It's like not that. Joe Johnson. It is. Some, oh, it's Jamal Crawford. It's not Jamal Crawford. It's not Jamal Crawford. No, he must be like five or six. It's somebody who is still playing in the NBA right now. Uh, he is on a roster. I don't know if he will be next year because he's pretty old. Dirk. No. Jason Terry. Jason. Jason the Jet Terry uh, okay. is yeah. <laughs> third overall with 2,300 three-pointers, which um, is Hall of, crazy Hall of to Famer? Me. Question Not mark. quite. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay. Um, and Steph Curry comes in at number five. So Steph Curry's going to be number one on that uh, list by the end of his career. So speaking of this, one of my favorite stats of this whole uh, 2018 playoffs is playoff three-pointers. And you saw Monty Ginobili pass Reggie Miller as Reggie Miller is commentating yeah. uh, in in three pointers made in playoff uh, games, and then the next series Steph Curry comes back round two, and then he passes Monty Ginobili for three pointers made, <laughs> and the amount of games it took took Steph Curry to to do it was like seventy eight games or eighty something games, and Manu had done it in like two hundred and twelve games. Like and everybody else on that list was in the like high one hundreds or two hundreds for games yeah. played to reach that level, and Steph Curry is at that level with like seventy yeah. or eighty games. So fun fact again, uh, hot stats. It's not really a stat, but Reggie Miller was also the commentator on the game when Ray Allen broke his all time three point record as well, um, and they like hugged it out and stuff. It was really cool. 
Uh, that was they hugged it out. They hugged it out. It was that was a few <laughs> years ago. Um, so I'm looking at the playoff all time. The three point leader is three leaders as well. So Ray Allen leads both uh, or leads the category. Um, but you know who number two is for which specifically which for three pointers playoff three pointers made. Ray Allen is number one. Um, and you were talking earlier about how Manu passed Reggie. Oh, so Manu's is, now number four, and then this? Steph passed Manu, who's Steph's number three. Guess who number two is? Is this Jamal Crawford? No. I don't know. LeBron James, <laughs> number two three, overall three pointers history made? of the NBA. Playoff three pointers. Playoff three pointers. Yeah. Now how, do you I don't do you have the game? I don't Okay. Yeah, so don't that was like it, yeah. the interesting stat. Wow, LeBron James. LeBron James. I mean LeBron James' stats are crazy. So there's that. He's also like leading the NBA in assists in the playoffs or something like that. Or maybe he's maybe. number. Two, you know, he's number two behind Rondo. I think Rondo. Rondo had like 46 assists in a game or something like that. Well, I don't think he did. It was whatever the number was. I'm exaggerating. He legitimately had, I think, 26 assists. So LeBron is third all time in playoff assists. Second is John Stockton who is number one overall all-time in, in regular season, and number one is Magic Johnson. And LeBron James is third. Is number third in, yeah. in all-time playoff assists. Playoff I think assists, this year yeah. he's number two, and he'll probably pass Rondo because Rondo's out. You know. You mean you mean in active players? Of in twenty eight like of the twenty eighteen playoffs. Oh Le- yeah, I yeah, think yeah, LeBron yeah, has yeah, the second yeah, most yeah, assists. I thought you meant all time. Sorry, I was no, like, you no, know, no, Rondo's no. not on that list. No, no, no. Um Rondo just had a great first couple series. Correct, and yes. Even yeah. against the Warriors, the one game they won, he had like 26 assists. Yeah. Like it was and nuts. He's, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. So, okay, so we're let's let's kind of wrap up the Raptors-Cavs series. How incredible. We've kind of talked about everything but LeBron yeah. extensively. So yeah. how incredible is LeBron and what he's doing right now at this stage in his career? I, mean, I think how incredible. Yeah, it's so I'm I'm pulling up. I want to compare kind of his playoffs last year to his playoffs this year, but I'll just say I mean if you listen to this podcast for any extended period of time, you know that I'm a, a LeBron truther, which is basically defi- <laughs> defined as somebody who um, <laughs> believes that LeBron is uh, probably the greatest player of all time. Um, that's a whole separate discussion. I love Michael Jordan. I can't wait to talk about him when we do our Bulls uh, like team profile later on and, and whatnot. But um, so all that to say, I am the type of person that really at this point is not really ever surprised when LeBron James does something because I, right. I believe in him. I believe he's certainly the greatest player today in basketball and, and maybe even all time. So the last few years, uh, I've become this LeBron truther really in the last few years. And it's had to do with, hey, he's always been great, but he's actually been, he's gotten better the last few years, really since he came back to the Cavs. He's been better than he's ever been in his like, what you would think would be kind of his nearing the end of his career. So that's what's been so remarkable to me. And so last year, in my opinion, last year, he had the greatest playoff run I've ever seen a single player have statistically. Um, yeah, he, and he dominated as as the Cavs swept all the way all the way to the finals. Right, right, and uh, and he didn't have like an amazing finals, but he still had a really really good finals. Uh, and I wasn't surprised. I was just like, guys, it's LeBron. He's the goat. He's I mean, like, look what he's doing. He's just destroying everybody. Uh, but that was a really really good Cavs 
team. And um, so this year, like, I just didn't have the same level of expectation. And part of it was because the Cavs weren't as good. LeBron had to play all 82 games. Usually he takes some games off, which a lot of people want to give him crap for. And really it's just like, hey, it's not affecting our seating. I'm going to take some games off so I can rest for the playoffs and basically just dominate the playoffs because the same people that give him crap about taking a few games off are the ones that give him crap for not winning enough championships, which it seemed to be like. Yeah. Anyways. Yes. Uh so he couldn't do that this year. He had to play all 82 games, even for the Cavs to be the four seed in the East. Uh, and so I was just like, you know what? We're just going to see what happens and, and whatnot. And he's surprised me. I mean, he's been unbelievable. You know, you're looking at, like, this season, he has uh, overall in the playoffs 34 points, 9.5 rebounds, 9 assists, 34, 9, and 9. 34, 9, and a half, and 9. Yeah. And uh, 55% from the floor. Um, he's just been – the only thing that he's been human in has been his three-point shooting, which is about 29%, which is not good and, and is going to need to be better if they're going to continue to play well. But for a guy who is thirty, almost 34 years old, 15th season, not only has he played 15 seasons, but he's also played – uh, three Olympics as well. It's just crazy. And he's been in the playoffs every year, correct? As yes. A, and he has been to the finals now. Seven straight years. Seven straight years. It would be eight straight this year I mean, if he did it. Just to like put that in perspective, like the, he, he's been to the finals that many times. Like the... The amount of will it takes to like mentally say, I'm going to go to the finals... I'm going to be the best, mm-hmm. and then to do it again, and to do it again, and to do it again. And I would argue, too, I know he hasn't always won the finals. Right. I would argue that, especially the last seven, well, maybe not the one against the Mavericks uh, in 2011, but every other finals that he's been in, he's been far and away the best player. It doesn't always mean his team has won, right? but he has been, you know, they've played the Warriors in the last three finals. Last year, it was close with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was pretty pretty unbelievable in the finals. But the previous two years, he was far and away the best player in the finals. The Warriors just had a better team. I mean, right. the Warriors have a better team. So it, even when he's getting to the finals, even if he's losing, you know, it's, it's not because of his play necessarily. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's been, he's been remarkable. And I think, you know, I, I heard a Tiger Woods quote the other day. Somebody asked Tiger Woods about LeBron and like what he thinks about what he's doing. And, and Tiger made this great quote, and I think this is what separates LeBron and other great players as well. He basically just said, you know, LeBron has always been good, you know, he, he's, or um, even great. But what separates the all-time greats is longevity. And he's like, anybody can be great for a game. Some of us can be great for a season Many people can be great for a season. It's hard, but a lot of people can do it. Um, some people can even be great for a few years. He's like, but there are very, very few that can be great for 10 years or more. And he's been at this level, if not even getting better every single year, for 15 years. Right. And I think that's where, that's where I said, like, I didn't start thinking of him as the greatest of all time until the last couple of years. And it's because he's getting better at a point where he should be getting markedly worse. And so, yeah. yeah. 
Well, we've got six other teams to talk about, but all this, <sighs> you know, all this to say, I think that this this sweep was the most surprising, and you know, we no wanted to take some time to talk about no it. Doubt. So let's let's kind of finish the East. Let's talk about what was I think the most exciting of these four series in round two: Boston and Philadelphia. Without question, they have seemed to spark almost like an old standing rivalry. Yeah, that feels like it could go on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody thought Philadelphia was going to take this. I-, I did. I think you did. Um, we knew that it was going to be good, like for sure, but um, everybody thought that. And, I mean, especially going into game one, they didn't even have Jalen Brown. So yep. Jalen Brown had kind of gotten hurt. Um, and uh, they come out, <clears throat> win two close games in Boston, mm. and then steal game three. Literally, yeah. And I don't even really, you know, they didn't really steal it. Philadelphia just kind of really handed it to them. I mean, boneheaded plays, multiple, yeah. multiple boneheaded plays. Real bad. Um, so Philly should have won game three, but they didn't. So now they're going in 3-0. They, um, Philly wins game four at home, mm. and then last night was game five back in Boston, and it was down to the wire all of the fourth quarter, and Boston, um, or sorry, Philadelphia even had a three-point lead going into like the final minute or maybe yeah. like a minute and a half. And Boston claws back. They just executed mm-hmm. better. Now, Philadelphia executed really, really well yeah. also, but Boston just edged them out, and they, went, they win the series. Yeah. And you could, just by the look of the series, it was close, it was competitive, mm-hmm. um, and... The thing that stands out to me in this, and I, you know, it's not really my idea. I think either I heard it from you or you know the commentators on TNT. But this series came down to fourth quarter execution mm-hmm. because every game was down to the wire, and it was all about those final five minutes. Mm-hmm. And Boston looked—I mean, they looked like one of the best executing teams mm-hmm. in the NBA, which they probably are. And, and to kind of sum up what, um, you know, how to think about it, every single interview, you know, uh, they asked the player, the Boston player afterwards, they asked Jason Tatum last night, you know, how does the coach do it? Um, Brad Stevens. How does Brad Stevens draw up these plays? And Jason Tatum goes, you know, he just puts us in the right players. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. He just puts us, he puts us players in the right places. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he does it. Yeah. That's coming from the player. So that that's kind of my take on it. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this pretty exciting series? Yeah, um, no, that's great. I, I think you you nailed it. Uh, I would say a couple of things. First of all, this was a much closer series, which you kind of alluded to, than than a five game, you know, four one kind of. It looks like kind of a domination by Boston. Um, it was a much closer series than that. I I think I'll start with the 76ers and say. If you're a 76ers fan, I think you deserve to be very happy with this team. I know there's some frustrations with how some of these games ended against Boston, but I think you're going from two years ago being arguably the worst team in the NBA to last year being not great, probably 10 games out of the playoffs at least, to this season being in the second round of the playoffs and being competitive. Um, I think the future is really, really bright for them. I think I still maintain that they have, you know, if these guys stay healthy and continue to get better, I think they have, uh, if he stays healthy, I think Joel Embiid is a Hall of Famer. I think Ben Simmons 
has the potential to be that 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 level kind of all NBA type of player. Um, so the future is very bright in in Philly, but I think what you saw in this series is, and this is kind of to your point, Boston had a couple of very distinct advantages, um, and the two biggest ones that I noticed were um, they had a coaching advantage, and that's not to take anything away from Brett Brown of Philadelphia. I think he's a really good coach, um, and I, I don't think Philly should think about like you know firing him or anything like that. I think he deserves to stay on, um, but he's just not as good of a coach as Brad Stevens, but then again, there aren't very many uh, yeah. people that are. Who is? Um, so coaching advantage for the Celtics uh, and also an experience advantage. And it's it seems weird to say that at first because the players that you the players that were making a lot of the plays for Boston were like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown is a second year player, Jason Tatum is a rookie. But they have other guys, integral guys on that team like Al Horford and Marcus you know Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, and some of these other guys, Terry, even Terry Rogier, who have playoff experience. And here's the thing too, like even if it's just one year of playoff experience, like Jalen Brown and maybe Rozier only has one year, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And so like even if it's just that one year, that's still playoff experience that no one on Philadelphia other than JJ Redick has. And so I think that's a huge advantage. And so you saw that in the last five minutes of the game. Like they're the reason they execute better is because not only do they have a better coach, but they also have the experience of playing in the playoffs. And so that's why I would say to Philadelphia, like they're they're going to be really good. They're going to be back here again next year, and they're going to be better next year too because of this series. So this was a really fun one to watch. Like you said, I think easily the most entertaining of the four second round matchups, um, and it, it felt closer than it was. Uh, it, game three was definitely very painful. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say Ugh. that separated this this series. You know, it you know it only went five games, honestly, because of game three. Game I think three. if Philadelphia wins game three, obviously they won game four as well in Philadelphia. You could have been looking at a two-two series going into last night easily, um, and they. I think. To their credit, they were able to win game four after that debacle at the end of game three. But once you're, I mean, no team has ever come back from down 3-0 for a reason. Uh, And so even winning game four, I mean, it just, they just really had, you know, no chance really. Yeah. Something that you did that was really interesting um, is you had looked at all the stats from round one and compared those teams going into round two. Yeah. So what were your expectations just statistically looking at Philadelphia and Boston? Well, I looked at two things. Number one, I compared their season stats because that's obviously a much bigger sample size. Yeah. And then I also compared their, their playoff stats, which would have just been from round one. So if you're just looking at round one, I, I mean, 76ers one. I looked at like 15 different categories. Um, and the 76ers won 13 out of 15 categories. Um, but I don't think that's a great view. I think that's a little bit of a biased view because, again, the 76ers played the Heat and they kind of dominated that series, whereas Boston played the Bucks, who I think are a better team than the Heat, and it was more of a difficult series for them to win. But even looking at regular season stats going in, 76ers still were better than the Celtics in, in 10 categories, 10 out of 15 categories. And... Basically, but I think the categories that the Celtics were better than them at were 
very key categories, which were defensive efficiency. The Celtics continue to be the best defensive team. Well, actually, I think I think the Warriors overtook them as best defensive team statistically in the playoffs, but certainly the best defensive team in the East. And shooting. The, the Celtics were a better <laughs> shooting that team. That seems like a, um, two pretty important Yeah, stats. exactly. Yeah. The 76ers were better in like rebounding. They had less turnovers. They had more assists. Um, they were just a better offensive team overall. But uh, Boston was a better defensive efficiency team, and they were better specifically like three-point and free-throw shooting. I think Philly was actually better from the field. But, uh, yeah, so it, it – it felt like it was going to be a really close series to me, to say all that to say. Yeah. Um, and it, it was. I want to say one thing that is a really small thing to add to this. I think that's a great point and, and really gives the perspective on, on why Boston competed well. Um, a really small thing. Terry Rozier, Scary Terry. Scary Terry. He had an incredible series. Mm-hmm. And Philadelphia did this really interesting thing where they started playing T.J. McConnell like 30 minutes. I love T.J. McConnell. And he, what he did is he pretty much just guarded, like stayed with Rozier the entire time. Mm-hmm. And he took him out. I mean, yeah. that, was an adju- that was probably the smartest adjustment that Philly made because he wouldn't help. You know, he's small. What is he going to do to help anyway? Yeah. And he just stuck with Rogier and didn't let him get those wide open three-pointers. For any of our listeners that aren't familiar with TJ McConnell, and that's fine, not familiar with his story, you need to look up his story, like Wikipedia him or whatever, and just look at his story. Like, this is a guy that, you know, he's like, he like, looks like me. He's like a six <laughs> foot one white guy, played at Arizona, didn't get drafted, got invited to, like, take place in like the summer league for Philadelphia, makes the team, plays on Philadelphia when they're terrible, like when they had nobody, when they were winning like three games a season. He's been there this whole time. And as they got better and better, they still kept him on because he's, you know, like was providing, obviously he can provide some good stuff on the court. I mean, he had some really good games, but also just kind of his leadership. And uh, he's like, I describe him as like a more likable uh, Matthew Delvadova. Oh, a really good comparison. It's <laughs> um, a very good comparison. I also think he's just better than Delvadova too, but he doesn't try to like kill people. He's right. not he's not dirty, but it's just that sort of like scrappy, which is how we describe any white basketball player. But in this case, it's actually accurate. Um, but he's so fun to watch, and his story is incredible. Uh, agreed. So small little nugget there. Um, okay, let's um, let's go ahead and jump over to the West. There's not as much to talk about here. No. Uh, basically, Golden State dominated and Houston dominated. And to the credit of the Jazz and the Pelicans, they both won a game and they yeah. did it by playing incredible. Yeah. So let me let me put it this way: What stood out to you? Because I think we both expected this. It was pr- like pr- both of us probably predicted uh, like a five-game yeah. series, something like that. So, um, to me, I'll just lead off. Something that stood out to me was I thought Donovan Mitchell played beyond his years in this series. Mm-hmm. So Donovan Mitchell for Utah against the Rockets, and specifically in Game Five, he got them back in the game in the third quarter. He like had like twenty points. Yeah. He had he started to have a really good fourth quarter and got, got injured yeah. going into like the last five minute stretch. Yeah. And 
in that five-minute stretch, the second thing that stood out to me in that series was that game Chris uh, Carden was having a bad game, and Donovan Mitchell exits, and Chris Paul takes over. Yep. And Chris Paul ended up having in game five, to, they, the, the um, Rockets had to work to beat Houston, uh, to beat the Jazz, and Chris Paul goes on a tear mm-hmm. and scored like forty points, and he mm-hmm. was like forty eight and ten or something mm-hmm. like that, forty eight and nine, and um, you know, they they really made that game five a game five, but Houston earned it, and so props to Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. in my opinion, yeah, he could have played absolutely. some games better, but like he's a rookie, yeah, you know, yeah. so major props to Donovan Mitchell, um, and then what really carried Houston and, and why everybody knew they were going to win. And they were built for this time was Chris Paul came here mm-hmm. and has said, I want a ring. And he, yeah. he joined an already good team. And now Houston has a go-to scorer when their MVP has mm-hmm. an off night. Right. And even MVPs have off nights. Yeah. So really quickly, because I know we want to preview next the next round as yeah. well. A um, couple things very quickly that stood out to me. I'll start with Golden State and the Pelicans since uh, you were talking about the Rockets and the Jazz. Biggest thing that stood out to me about that series, number one, I think if you're the Pelicans, you feel really excited about next year and where you can go because you've DeMarcus Cousins you know, is hurt and they still made it this far. And I think you have to also hope that maybe this will be enough to like keep Anthony Davis to, to realize. like Because I know he loves New Orleans. Obviously, he wants to play for a, a winner. Um, and I think the Pelicans should feel really good about it. Um, if you're Golden State, I think you feel really, really good about how Steph is playing. He kind of looks like himself, even though he's coming back from injury. So yep. I think the Warriors, at this point, the Warriors are still my pick to win it all, um, just based on how they've how they've looked. Um, they're statistically the best defensive team in the playoffs so far and the Rockets are the best offensive team so that's going to be fun uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second so that's those are kind of the things that stood out to me not a whole lot um, Kevin Durant continues to just quietly be amazing uh, as far <clears throat> as far as Rockets jazz go um, obviously love love Donovan Mitchell he is he has when you talk about a guy that's just um, improved so much over the last few years he wasn't a like a a vaunted high school prospect. He went to Louisville. You know, I'm a, as a Duke fan. I mean, we play in the same conference as Louisville. He never stood out to me from Louisville. Um, he was more of a defensive player and a really good athlete than a scorer. And somehow he's just become this go-to scorer. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. Um, honestly, like you know, our top three rookies all played really well in the playoffs. Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and um, Donovan Mitchell. I think that Tatum has actually played better than Mitchell I has. I agree. You haven't seen as much of it because Mitchell has to take on so much more responsibility offensively. His usage rate is so much higher. But uh, Tatum, efficiency-wise, Tatum has actually been has been the best rookie. Did Jason Tatum keep up his twenty-point game streak? Uh, I he, don't think so. He had some. He had like the longest standing or tied for the longest standing twenty point game streak in yeah. Celtics history or something, yeah. playoff history or something like that. The, the biggest thing. So Tatum has has had a higher usage, which means he's essentially been taking more shots in the playoffs than he did in the regular season, and so you've seen his point total go up by about five points per game, which is really impressive. His shooting numbers have gone down a little bit, but they're still better than Mitchell's or Ben Simmons. Um, and so you've seen like his player efficiency rating has Tatum's has gone up, 
Mitchell's has stayed the same. So Mitchell has basically been the exact same as he was in the regular season. Simmons went down from the regular season. So we'll see. I mean, the Rookie of the Year award is a regular season award, um, so it'll probably go to Ben Simmons, and I think deservedly so. I I would not be upset if Donovan Mitchell got it either. But So Donovan Mitchell, amazing. Obviously, the Jazz feel really good about next year as well. They also have a great coach in Quinn Snyder. So with the Rockets, a couple things that are very interesting. I have have – an interesting thought, and I also have a hot take, which is not normally my my Let's hear it. my realm. Let's go, go for it. So, interesting thing to me is James Harden. He is kind of known for um, not always showing up in the playoffs. <laughs> um, I do think he's the MVP of the regular season, no 100%, question, hundred um, percent. But he has not been bad, but he hasn't been great in the playoffs. Um, I'm very intrigued to see. I actually think, honestly, I know he's still pretty young. I think this next series against the Warriors is is a make or break for his legacy, honestly. And I think he – I'm not saying that they have to win the series, but I think he has to play really, really well for his legacy uh, because otherwise it's just like, okay, you've had four or five different chances in the playoffs and you've just never, you've just never shown up. You know, they're going to have home court advantage. He – I mean, they have – They've they beat the Warriors, I think, three out of four matchups in the regular season. Like you you need to dominate this series. So we'll see. Um, my hot take, you mentioned Chris Paul scoring 40 something points, 45 points or something in, in in this game a couple nights ago that that clinched the series for them. My my hot take is that, in my opinion, Chris Paul is the best point guard in the NBA since Magic Johnson. Um, and I think he is a top two to three point guard all time in the NBA. Wow. That is hot. Um, It's a hot take. It's a scorcher. Uh, So a lot of people don't agree, obviously. That's fine. Um, I think a lot of people point to Chris Paul never playing in the Western Conference Finals until this year. Um, 80-something games he's played in the the, uh, playoffs, and this this will be his first conference finals. Yeah. The difference, I think, for Chris Paul than somebody like James Harden is Chris Paul has had injuries. He has not been able to stay healthy. And so mm. he has to stay healthy if they are going to have a chance against Golden State. Um, Chris Paul also is getting up there. He's the same age as LeBron James. He's like 33. So, it, I, again, once you get to be that age, I don't really expect you to be like an all-world player. Um, but he's going to have to be. Um, and he's going to have to stay healthy. But that's just my hot take overall Like for his career. Um, his, his, he has had an amazing career, even for somebody that has had some injury problems. And, um, but, yeah, that's a different discussion as far as like, you know, all of that. But, yeah. Yeah, so. that's a really good preview. We've all been waiting for this matchup. As an NBA fan, you saw it coming uh, when, you know, Houston added Chris Paul to their roster over the summer. And then as Houston just went on a regular season tear, I mean, just dominating their, their be- a better offense than ever with Chris Paul, um, they're scary. I mean, when they're sh- like, you know, they kind of look like the Warriors from a few years ago, maybe mm-hmm. with, you know, not as good a defense. Like when they're hitting their threes, it they can just, I mean, neither of these teams will be counted out with a 20 or 30 point lead. I mean, you could easily see either of these teams jumping out to a 20 point lead mm-hmm. in every single game and then it coming down to the wire um, with their firepower. Um, it's going to be 
This is what we've been waiting for, mm-hmm. and it will probably be you know the real NBA Finals, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, as has been plenty yeah, of times probably, in years yeah. past. Uh, the Western Conference Finals is always, you know, the West is yeah. dominated. I mean, I think if you were to rank these four teams, you'd probably rank Golden State one, Rockets like one B or two, and then I don't know, I guess Cavs and then Celtics. But yeah. they're they're definitely at a different level. Let's jump over to them really quick. How do these teams match up against each other? Um, Which one? Sorry. Uh, let's jump to the Eastern Conference okay, Finals. Yeah. So Cavs uh, and Celtics. Mm-hmm. We haven't even made our picks yet. Let's just do this live right yeah. now. Let's oh, go on record. Uh, who's your pick, and how do these teams match up? Okay. <laughs> uh, Put you on the spot. On the spot. Um, the statistics uh, lean towards uh, probably Boston. Um, I think that I, I don't. I think LeBron's going to be great either way. I think LeBron. Certainly has the ability. I think the it's going to go six or seven, in my opinion. Um, and I think LeBron obviously can win you a, a couple of games easily. The question for me is going to be the other players. I think the Celtics, again, have a, a monster coaching advantage. Um, but the Celtics, or the Cavs, excuse me, may not have as good of a coach, but they do have the playoff experience, and they also have LeBron James. Um, so I think the, the X factor in this series is going to be – the other guys basically like do does Kevin Love still continue to play really well do J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver shoot really well because now they're going against the number one defense in the east and the and the number one defense overall in the NBA in the regular season in Boston um and losing Kyrie didn't really affect their defense their defense is still really (laughs) good if anything their defense probably got better it was their offense that it was their offense that took a huge hit in losing Kyrie so it there, this is easily going to be the, the best defense that the Cavs have played. Now, I don't know that the Celtics have anybody to stop LeBron. Uh, I mean, does anyone have anybody to stop no. LeBron? They asked Jason Tatum, they said, how do you, uh, looking, looking forward to the Cavs, you know, how do you slow down or make LeBron uncomfortable? And he goes, yeah. I have no idea. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a first-year player, I have no idea. We're going to talk about it as a team and figure yeah. it out. yeah. <laughs> So it it's gonna be uh, that's definitely going to be interesting. I think uh, if I had to pin down like one matchup, I would say like Al Horford versus Kevin Love, and I don't even know if they're gonna be guarding each other, but just like yeah. I think whoever of those two guys kind of has a better game or a better series is probably who you kind of like lean towards. I'm gonna say Cavs in seven, um, just because. They have more experience. They have more experience, and they have the best player in the series. But I would not be surprised to see. This. I would be surprised if either team mm-hmm. won in like four or five games. But I would I'm not be surprised to see this. So that's interesting. Set the Cavs in seven. Yeah. I'm really torn by my emotions. I really want Boston to go just because they're the team that shouldn't be there. They're the team that is running on coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the team that is. That, that can only win by playing as a team mm-hmm. and playing defense. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of exciting to me, I, the, you know, to be able to have that team um, go to the finals and beat a LeBron team. This would be the first year in, a, you know, seven, eight years mm-hmm. that we haven't had a finals without LeBron. Mm-hmm. And 
But but in reality, on, on top of that, you know, when we were talking about these teams from the start, Boston also, I think, has more talent overall than Cleveland. Oh, I would agree right? with that. With for, the, with, for sure. With the exception of, you know, Cleveland has the talent of LeBron. Yeah. And you don't really need a coach to execute for the Cavs. You just need a LeBron to execute in yeah. the fourth quarter for yeah. the Cavs. And I, I think when he's playing at his best, I'm not sure that Boston has too many players that are better than Kevin Love either. Um, but I think beyond LeBron and Kevin Love, for sure, right. they have better players. So I'm going to go Boston in seven. Okay. That's what I, they've got home court advantage. This is that's true. Which I think really helped them mm-hmm. against uh, Philadelphia. So um, I'm going to go Boston in seven. Great. And uh, I'm going to go Golden State in seven. Yeah, I'm going to go Golden State in six. Uh, Rockets do have home court advantage, which could potentially be helpful. One thing I was talking oh, to you about—I right. was talking to you about this yesterday. This is the first playoff series since 2014 that Golden State has not had home court advantage, which is just remarkable in itself. That they just how good they've been, uh, but they don't have home court advantage in this series, so that could uh, that could be that could be a factor for sure. Um, maybe I'm just like playing down the Rockets, but I look at Golden State's playoff experience. They're healthy. I think they have a better coach in Steve Kerr than Mike D'Antoni. Um, I think I don't trust James Harden. I trust Chris Paul a little bit more as far as toughness goes, but he could also get hurt. I don't know. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be really, really, really fun. Um, probably more fun than the finals will be. Uh, but I still think I think Golden State just overwhelms them, uh, and I think they take it in six. All right, those are our picks. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, uh, the easiest way to reach out to us is on Twitter, at NBA Fan Podcast, um, and let us know who you got. Uh, if you've got a hotter take <laughs> than Chris Paul being top three point guards of all time, um, I mean, that's the hottest point guard, or the, the best point guard since you said Isaiah Thomas. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, sorry. Yeah. Um, so that would mean all that really means if you want to break that down is that he's better than Stockton, he's better than Jason Kidd, and he's better than Steve Nash. That's essentially what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, got so. it. Uh, well, th- what about uh, Jason Williams? <laughs> <sighs> this is a tough call. Yeah, but <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that does it uh, for us, the NBA Fan Podcast. We are so much looking forward to. Um, the conference finals and we will see you on the other side of yeah be on the lookout for our finals preview uh, here in what i guess a couple of weeks we'll have a nba finals preview and uh and nba uh, if you're listening adam silver if you're listening we'd love to be flown out to the nba finals we we're more than happy to do a live show we'll we'll Uh, sacrifice for the sake of absolutely 100 percent so Love it. All right. Thanks so much, guys, and we'll see you next time.